0: Last time on the Bestow Curse podcast, our heroes rescued Trinia's lookalike from public execution with the help of famed vigilante Blackjack. Having seen Sylvie's daring deeds, Blackjack was revealed to be none other than Vencarlo Orsini, who recruited her to be the inheritor of his crime-fighting moniker when his time is over. But before the crew could get Molly out of the city, Zolara's hero deck began to ominously shuffle. The Cursed Campaign continues now.
1: What's the deal with all these reveals? What's the, deal, what's the deal with the last episode and
2: all these reveals? You're looking right at me. I don't have an answer. What's the, what's the deal with all these reveals?
3: It feels cool. So many secrets. What
2: secrets?
1: We don't know. Secret secrets are no fun. <laughs> I've
4: never done a, whole, a secret in my character's whole life. You never kept a secret? N- never even... You know, past one by.
1: That's why I have to make up mm-hmm. secrets in your backstory and then keep them from you as well. Cause you're such a chatty Kathy. You would tell everyone
2: <laughs> if I. That's like a double blind secret for Chris. Yeah. He doesn't even know he's got a secret. This <laughs> is
1: my double blind study in GMA. Yep. yep. yep.
2: <laughs> well, uh, guys,
1: I, I wanted to talk about uh, at the top here. Uh, we just had a huge reveal that you all, as players, are privy to but is a secret that Sylvie is likely going to be keeping for quite a long time uh, during this campaign and so I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, role-playing secrets and secrets from the party and how you do that and how you maybe differentiate your player and character knowledge when it comes to these secret things what do you guys think about that
5: so keeping the secrets not too bad. It depends on how much I, if I want them to find out, like, let's say it's something that I know, but I maybe can't tell anyone about. Then I will, will play into that and um, pretend like, you know, I don't have a secret, but I really do. But like, make it too obvious. So that might play kids, a little that, coy. Yeah. Right. Um, a little hard to get with those now, secrets. If they're truly not supposed to know, I just, um, me and Haley as a person, I do forget it exists after a while. And I try to not ever bring that up, except for when I want to have a like a one-on-one. Now, as far as me, I'm currently a player that knows Sylvie's secret. Mm-hmm. I also this might sound bad, but when there is like a lot of one-on-one back and forth with just like a player and my character's not physically around, I enjoy listening to it. But I also do try to like zone out a little bit. So that it's not something that I would use incorrectly. In uh, I
1: see what you mean there. Like, if you if you pay too close attention, it's something you might let slip as your character. And your character wouldn't know that.
5: Yeah, and I don't want to do that. And like, that is something I think I would do because it's really hard for me to keep track of like what am I supposed to know and not supposed to know. It's easier for me to keep track of what what is Mir allowed to say and not allowed to say. But it's much harder for me, Haley, to understand what I should be allowed to talk about and not and what my character knows and doesn't. So I just kind of try to not pay as much of attention, especially me. I'm like one of the editors of the show too. So it's like I have to really not pay attention while it's happening so that then when I'm editing, I also am not I'm only paying attention (laughs) to editing. So that's what I try to do. And I know that sounds bad because I know like that's important for uh, player information.
2: I think it's a valid strategy. You know, I I agree. And if you you know look at the universe of what we're trying to accomplish here like it, it's difficult for you to remember you know probably for the next i don't know hundred episodes that sylvie is training under blackjack but you're not supposed to know that but also keep in mind that like you need to balance everything that's happening on Link legacy and, ha- and everything that's happening in carrying crown like Keeping all of those facts straight and what you're supposed to know at what time and what character knows what and who character knows who and whatever. Like, uh, we had a a big, big, big crossover event recently in Carrying Crown where, like, I, I, I say recently, like within the last 40 episodes, <laughs> like a bunch of characters ran into each other and it's like, oh, that person knew that person at this time. And it is it is a lot to keep straight. And mm-hmm. so I, I don't disparage you for doing that. And I honestly do quite the same because it's like.
5: And you only mentioned recorded yeah. games, too. You're not even ta- like that doesn't include any like sidebar fun games or like mm-hmm. uh, you guys have a reoccurring now rain of winter that's starting. Like that's a lot. Of, there's a lot of things to keep in track.
2: The best. Yeah. The best way to not screw something up is just to not know it. Right. <laughs> That's uh.
5: So turn your brain off for a minute.
2: It's especially difficult. I think, uh, you know, credit
1: to you guys because you have a GM like me who really likes to put in Easter eggs between shows and stuff that we do too, which makes it even more difficult because you're thinking about, you know, oh, I put this little thing in because I know you guys as players are gonna geek out about it, and your characters have no idea about <laughs> what this is. Yeah, Chris, you'll hear it in the next HLP that comes out. Because
2: it involves one of your characters.
1: Oh Uh, shit!
5: Yeah,
2: (laughs) but (laughs) uh, we've been keeping that secret from you. (laughs) I I think as
1: a as a game master, I have to. I kind of live in the world of secrets, and I have to DM each of you like separately and have like separate sidebars if it is something that I want you to kind of know naturally. I, I honestly think Emily, you and I are probably talking more than most just because you have a lot of stuff in like, in carrying, like, if you think about like book four of our Carrying mm-hmm. Crown campaign and all of that that had to happen, uh, if you think about all of the times Dr. Viv came into the story, yeah. all the times, like, you know, this, this latest stuff in Carrying Crown, um, with, with your current character and your new character, it's just there's been a lot of times where you and I have been behind the scenes and I've been like, well, this could work out this way or it could work out this way. This is how I see it going this way. This is how I see it going that way. Please don't let any of that influence how you play. <laughs> <laughs> so, I I can see it being especially difficult because you and I are in a lot of contact for some of the stuff that's going on. Currently, at least with with your story, so I, I imagine it's difficult. I'm not a player that is privy to that stuff. I mean, I get to play in Chris's malevolence thing and you even hear me then like having difficulty splitting my player and character knowledge because I'm like mm-hmm. geeking out about the lore that he's dropping on us.
3: Yeah, it's really exciting and fun to have those Story motivated secrets that you're like keeping from the party, or, uh, you know, is going to be revealed at a later date. And I think some of that excitement can help uh, contain the urge or like slip ups if it's something that like I'm really excited about happening that I know is going to come up, but it's like for Viv or it's for something else. I do my best to just not say anything not influence it for some of the stuff in carrying crown um when i knew uh there were like certain directions something could go depending on what the party did that would kind of change my outcome i just tried to stay out of it as much as possible to let the story progress so i wasn't influencing it too much um but i was so excited about like what could come uh just depending on how the story story went So I think for me, if there is something I have that secret, I try to be like really aware of the secret part of it so I can just kind of step back from anything around that so I don't spoil anything, don't influence any of the decisions.
4: My method for secret keeping is easy. And I'm thinking mostly in the context of this secret that Sylvie has, which whenever we're in a scenario where I can use the juxtaposition of my player knowledge versus my character knowledge to to say to make a joke I'm going to use Diego to say a funny about it based on either something he's oblivious about or or hitting too closely without actually knowing it and then immediately retract it and say whatever I would say
2: that's (laughs) or you could just say whatever you want and leave it up to the editor. That's
5: true. Yeah. Please don't do that. one, <laughs> one
2: thing I really love in roleplay is when
1: you get those you get those players, you know, I think I think everyone but Emily in this in this scenario probably that are kind of like eager a little bit eager for their characters to like know the information and so they they as characters make make like inferences that are like close you know, you, you guys easily as characters could make an inference like, oh, why were you just talking to Ven Carlo? Like, why do you have this message from Ven Carlo if you were just with Blackjack for, you know, the last three hours? That's an inference you could like you as Vec could easily make. And then you could be like asking a question and then seeing Emily as Sylvie try and deflect. is <laughs> very mm-hmm. fun. So I, I'm excited for, for more of that, which I'm sure is going to, is going to come up at some point. But this you know, I, I think you guys as a group are really good at at separating character and player knowledge. So that's why revealing secrets like this at the whole table is is possible for me as a GM is because I know you guys are gonna play your characters in a way that that doesn't um that doesn't spoil it in the campaign but uh but is a fun thing that that we all get to experience together. At, a, at the table so I am curious how other people like GM that kind of stuff I know you know in the past I've certainly messaged somebody about a secret or whatever and said hey we're gonna keep this a secret until this point but, um, but sometimes it's fun to just
2: reveal it all at the table it's like a respect thing too like I know this secret is important for Emily so I'm not going to play Vec and like blast her with 20 questions and be like well Vec thinks that maybe there's something suspicious it's like no I know that's important to Emily so like Vec might just take that on the chin and be like, "Okay, sure, whatever." Yeah, because like mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to force it out of you because like that's shitty for you. And, and and if the tables were turned, like I wouldn't want like Chris or Haley or, or or Emily to like drill me on a secret that I'm trying to keep and like put me in a position that like I don't want to be in. You know, mm-hmm. it's like we're we're all friends and we're and we're all respectful of each other's characters. So like. Don't don't do that to somebody. If it, if the secret's important to them, like don't don't force it out. So yes, moral of the story: secret secrets are a lot of fun. Yes, secret <laughs> secrets are for everyone. Well,
1: it's no secret that I need to give out a hero point at the start of the session. No, it's a refresh because it's a refresh. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Haley, put those points back on the board because you all had a hero point. Some of you had two, so we're not refreshing because you were in a better situation than. Uh, and the refresh. Oh, so those of you that had to keep two,
4: yes. Oh, oh. yay! I, I on the record, I accused Griff during a pause last episode of stalling us out of our extra
1: points. I, I do certainly, true. I <laughs> do certainly get that feeling, and, and I feel bad. But that's kind of how the how we have to do the pacing of these episodes sometimes. Yeah. That like, hey, I'm giving a hero point out every hour, but sometimes there's going to be episodes that don't have a ton of roles because we're resolving all of this cool stuff that happened. Uh, so I felt bad. Like I was like, hey, everybody take a hero point. And then I was kind of thinking, cool, you, you're going to roll like once or twice at the start of the session. If you roll bad, I guess you get to use it. But otherwise, nobody had used one. And so I think it's fair that because you guys were in a better situation than a full refresh, just keep those hero points. Uh, so I don't need a call out this time. But if you, uh, you want to be on another call out, join our Patreon uh, and, and you can sponsor a hero point. That'd be cool. So when last we left our heroes, we figured out what happened after in the aftermath of the failed execution of false Trinius Abor. And what happened was the group escaped unscathed from the town square and Sylvie figured out the identity of Blackjack and also figured out the history of Blackjack and was asked a very important question. Whether she would take up the mantle of Blackjack in the future, and having agreed to that, has kind of entered a secret world that she was not a part of before. The group met back up at the Badger and Blade, and Zalara made herself known, appearing from her hero deck and asking the group if they would agree to a hero reading. And that's where we find everyone now. Yes, man, this is a little different from our last hero.
5: Goodness gracious!
1: It's really storming. Yeah, we got a storm going. So um,
3: that was thunder.
1: Yeah, violent. Oh. So let's uh, cross our fingers on the power staying on. So this is actually the first terror reading we're doing remotely. Last time we were able to do it all in person, but now what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of do this terror reading in my space. And um, and I'll let you guys know what cards are being drawn. I'm obviously going to describe them, etc. But what happens before every hero reading is the choosing where each of your characters draw a hero card. And so Zolara would present the deck to the four of you. And uh, who's the first to draw?
3: Yeah, Sylvie is in possession of the deck. So she's probably like closest to... Uh, kind of everything that's going on. So uh, she will go up to draw the first card.
1: Sylvie, what you draw is a card called The Big Sky. The Big Sky shows um, two people in shackles, but the shackles are broken. They're recently freed, Uh, looking up at a beautiful clear sky with the sun radiating down upon them Uh, as a good hero card. This is a hero card in the sense that we use them mechanically for you. So this will allow you on any of your rolls to roll twice and take the better should you choose to use it.
3: Awesome. And very appropriate.
1: So make sure you write that down.
3: I'm going to add it to my sheet. I also wrote it down just note wise.
1: This is the chaotic good card of strength. And Zalara, after handing you this card, looks at you. Your destiny has changed. This card represents a momentous change. Originally it stood for all of the slaves of a nation being freed. That is what it depicts here. But it can be seen as a card that sits at the crossroads of your life before and your life beyond. Something has happened to you, Sylvie.
3: In Sylvie's mind, she's thinking of uh, what she just found out with Blackjack, but keeps that to herself. This was a big change for all of us. I am of a noble family, and I just openly defied a The Queen's Public Execution. This was not a decision that was taken lightly.
1: Yes, although I don't know if that is all that has changed within you, dear. Who draws next?
5: Mir will step up and draw.
1: Mir, you draw the Lawful Good card of Wisdom. Oh. The Winged Serpent. Oh. Mir, this card represents... Understanding it—it it means that in your future or right now, even you are working to unite different ideologies or different ideas. The idea of knowledge versus what is right and wrong—I see it as a nebulous decision for your part knowledge of what is right and wrong is often very grey and I think you will bridge the gap between what must be done and what is right to be done that is what I see for you
5: I hope that I can appropriately understand what's right and and where I should be I don't want to accidentally choose the wrong choice
1: well you seem the type that follows her gut and it seems to have served you well so far is that Figgy's card too? Figgy's card is the worm.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Who draws next? Uh, that that is a good card for your um, for your hero card for this book,
2: mechanically. Beck's reclining on one of these barber chairs. Why don't you go ahead, Diego? I went last last time anyway. I can clean up again. Diego steps up, knocks twice
4: on the table, and says, "Hit me!" and winks at Sylvie. (laughs) You bastard. Kidding.
1: (laughs) Diego, your card is the vision. The chaotic, neutral card of intelligence. I sense a convergence in you, Diego. Too much knowledge across too many lifetimes coming together in one place. In you, how will you use such knowledge of your past. It has the potential to drive you mad. This is the card of madness after all. The vision comes to those that are strong and those that are not. And those that are not do not survive it. Interesting. For paracard purposes, this is neutral. So this is a roll d d30. Oh
2: yeah! Neutral. I'm all about that. Says it's Martin, then. I suppose it is.
1: Hmm. It appears the tidings are looking up for you, Mr. Elby. For you have drawn the paladin. This is a lawful good card of strength. Mm. This means that your resolve will be tested. Your sense of right and wrong will be tested. And you will stand fast when it is. You will not bend. You will not break. The paladin represents standing resolutely against trouble. The paladin never backs down.
2: I wish those were words that I could have used to describe myself. But if that's what I am to be, that doesn't sound half bad, does it? Your paladin, Vecche! <laughs> Your paladin And so she collects
1: the cards from you and shuffles again. Can you can you uh, remind us of the format of how this this reading works absolutely the reading happens in a three by3 three grid and the grid represents kind of the alignments in Pathfinder so uh, your your top left is your lawful good your bottom right is your chaotic evil cards that are that match their alignment on the grid are specifically impactful for the reading cards that mismatch their alignment means that the opposite of their natural meaning comes to pass. The, um, the lawful, neutral, chaotic spectrum represents the past, present, and future. And the good, neutral, evil spectrum represents the past. like So the, the positive, the neutral, and the negative of what was in the past, what is happening now, and what is in the future. Kind of fun to have a thunderstorm happening in the back.
2: Of this. Can we just canonically say that it's raining right yeah, now? Yeah, sure. In the it's, game? it's like rain. This may just come through. It's going nuts out here.
1: Of particular note, if you've all written down the card that you've received, mm-hmm. if your card shows up in the reading, that is a particularly strong omen. Okay. Uh, whether it's good or bad, it that that means that that part of the reading is specific to you. And so I'm going to set my grid here. We're gonna get going. What order are you are you revealing the cards in? So yeah. as the standard hero reading goes, we will go from past to future. And usually we go positive to negative. Okay. Uh, however technically it's you're supposed to like like as I will do, you're supposed to real reveal all of the past and then interpret it. And then reveal all of the present and then interpret it. hmm Okay. So Zolara begins revealing The past. In the past, positive is the idiot. It shows a bound man in a uh, ridiculous-looking costume being attacked by goblins. He's got arrows sticking out of him. He's clearly wounded. This is the neutral evil card of intelligence. In the past neutral, we have the lost this shows a um, an undead monster in heavy armor, kind of wandering around as if, uh, again, completely lost. This is the chaotic evil card of wisdom, and in the past negative, we have the keep, the neutral good card of strength. This shows a castle upon a high, a high like. Outcropping of rock that is like mechanized. It's very strange. It looks like a, a castle with legs, kind of like a kind of like a mechanical Baba Yaga's hut. And so she begins with the idiot. hmm It appears that a mistake that has been made in the past, something that you did that went awry, will cease to hurt you. As you move on from it, maybe someone you wronged in some way, or someone who felt wronged by you, is going to forgive you. It may take time, but your mistakes can be undone. She then looks to the lost. The damage has been done. Whether that means that Corvosa ends in ashes, or in prosperity is unknown, but... The powers that be have broken. The emptiness of the throne has caused a permanent schism. It will not be undone. The city must die, but whether or not it is born again is unclear. It could be a phoenix rising from its own ashes, or it could be a tombstone representing what happens when insanity is allowed to propagate. She then turns to the Keep. The Keep, misaligned. Castle Corvosa was the symbol of the strength of the city. And normally, the Keep represents unshakable strength that can withstand any hardship. The Keep, the Keep has fallen. But the Keep is not insurmountable because it no longer represents withstanding any hardship. That also means that it can be overcome. Something happened. And my guess is the death of Eadred that changed the way Castle Corvosa represents itself to the city. You already see it. Blackjack has risen up against the queen. Whatever caused Eadred's death has set off a chain reaction and it cannot be undone. She then moves to the present. In the present good is the rabbit prince. This card is the chaotic neutral card of dexterity, and it shows a anthropomorphic rabbit with a broken sword. Oh, in the neutral present is the big sky. Hi, Sylvie. (laughs) Yes. And in the negative present is the hidden truth, the lawful good card of intelligence.
5: What is the big sky
1: again? The big sky is the chaotic good card of strength. Hmm. I had a note written down that's about liberation. Mm-hmm. Zalara considers the deck for a while with with obvious attention paid to the big sky. Hmm. Well, the rabid prince represents that the fight is here. It is not coming. It is here. It is happening now. It... Although it normally means that defeat can come to anyone, no matter how prepared. Because it is positively aligned, it hopefully means that defeat comes at the hands of your enemies.
4: Is that one in direct opposition of what it normally
1: is? No, it's not. It's chaotic neutral and it's showing up as uh, neutral good.
4: Oh, yeah, okay. I got it. I got it mixed up. Thanks.
1: But, um, the card also represents young members of noble houses... Strange that we have one of them among us, and she shows up again here in the big sky. And good tidings for you, Sylvie. Young members of noble houses showing up in the positive grants you good fortune right now. However, the big sky appearing here means that whatever change your friend Sylvie is experiencing right now is... Representative of a larger change. The city itself is changing. Changing sides. I'm sure you felt it already. This changing hands. Is changing who it relies on. You sown doubt in the Queen with what you did recently and that is rippling across the city right now. The people are starting to rise up. The big sky represents a nation being freed. The city can be freed, too, from the shackles of aristocracy that is happening now. And Sylvie will be pivotal into that change.
3: I am not like the other privileged nobles that take and take and do not give back to the city. They only think of themselves. I can use my privilege to benefit the city and not Continue to keep down the the masses and the common folk. The change is already here. We just have to help it along.
1: Well, the hidden truth that represents that there is more to your enemy than you know. The hidden truth is that those that you face are stronger than you believe. Right now, the serial killer Roth Lamb gathers allies. The other malignant forces around this town that you know of, you do not know enough about them. You do not know what they're capable of. They do not appear as what they are actually. They do not show their strength on their sleeve. That is what you are up against right now, and it's coming for you." She then shows the future. boy. That is misaligned. No. That is correctly aligned. Oh. That is misaligned. What
2: the? F- blah, 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 blah.
4: <sighs> Thicky noises. <laughs> future looking not great.
1: She, even as a ghost, begins to shake as she sees this future. Every card, either misaligned or appropriately, like, perfectly aligned means that this future reading is likely truth. She shows the waxworks, the chaotic evil card of Constitution in the chaotic good slot. She shows the courtesan, the chaotic neutral card of charisma in the chaotic neutral slot. And she shows the unicorn The chaotic good card of charisma in the chaotic evil slot. The waxworks represents torture and imprisonment in the future. Corvo's people will be subjugated. They will be trapped. Uh, They may be wiped out. But it also represents helplessness and misaligned that means... That the helplessness and paralysis that this card stands for can be subverted. You are not helpless if you are not stood in one place. If you take action, you can prevent the torture of many. If you know where to look, it also means that those that would help are not as they appear. And those that would hurt can also be good people. The courtesan represents the superficiality of social niceties and how fake the upper class truly is and correctly aligned that means doubly so for Corvosa do not trust those in power for they put on a face that everyone can see those in power that are nice to you may not have your best interest at heart this also represents The need for you to play the political game. You may need to go along with these superficial niceties in order to progress. You have to be willing to be a bit slimy in order to make progress sometimes. Your willingness to grease the wheels will see how far you go. Finally, the unicorn. Normally this card represents prophecy. In the future, you will find... That someone close to you has a direct link to the gods. But misaligned, this may mean that that link makes them a puppet. You as mortals will never be able to know the true intentions of a deity. Be wary. For one with the backing of true prophecies means nothing in the Age of Lost Omens. The unicorn represents prophecy and misaligned, it represents the death of prophecy. eridan died, so prophecy can no longer live. But what does that mean for all of you? And what role does eridan have to play? We shall see. And with that, she takes her cards, shuffles them, and they begin to glow. As the Harrow card relic gains a new gift... And uh, what that gift is, is up to you. Oh. So we are playing by the relic rules. The relic rules state that um, once a relic has reached level five, which this relic has, it can bestow two gifts upon the bearer. We already know that this relic has the mind trait, but it also has gained the celestial trait. And so gifts from either of those groups up to minor are, um, are fair game. So I'll let you guys figure that out off air. But I know Zalar's Hera deck already gave a, I think there was like a reaction uh, as its gift that it's tied to now. Uh, so it gets a new gift, a new more powerful gift.
2: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we're going to have to do some
4: homework. hmm
5: mm-hmm.
4: Boy, that reading.
0: Something.
4: There's a lot there. There was a lot there. I'm especially worried about my character due to his strong ties to Aroden.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Makes sense.
2: Yeah, funny you bring that up. Because uh, I'm, the concern's a little high. Yeah, sure. What are you guys doing after this reading?
4: Oh my God, can we talk about the reading for just a second? Can we just talk about it? In or out of character? What, what are you trying to do, Chris? Out, I guess. I mean... All right. Cause I just I'm not gonna be able to can, to be Diego ranting about this stuff, but I mean <laughs> I feel like the past, you know, a book into the adventure makes a lot of sense, right? You know, there's everything that's kind of happened there is is kind of cataloged there, but like the the neutral, like the present with Sylvie's stuff being so strong there, and then the future with a couple notes of like of of Vec, some of his ties coming into the forefront, like all misaligned, yeah. <laughs>
3: I feel like we're, like, kind of teetering on the edge of, like, either greatness or, like, total destruction. And depending on the choices we make going forward, we could, you know, like, some of these things could come true in the future, or we could prevent
5: them from happening.
2: Destined for greatness or death, you know what they say.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I totally agree. And I think this is very interesting and very cool. I think there's so many things to look into at a very, like, like if you could, you'd really deep dive into a lot of this. And I think that's very cool. I mean, Mir has some actual stuff to say about some of this as well.
4: Right before we drop into in-person, Steve, we just talked about secrets at the, the forefront of this ep- I I got to just know at, at a high level, like, the whatever Vex got going on in the background are these like things you're aware of? Is like secrets that you know and are keeping, or is is Griff holding the cards here and you you don't know what's
2: about to happen? Column A. Column B. A little bit of both. Okay,
5: okay. Considering Griff just pulled random cards, also, <laughs> like
2: I'm
1: just the master of the game.
5: Okay. <laughs>
1: Anyways. But yeah, I, I did say at the start of that, bear with me because we're doing a real hero reading because I don't load any of these because the adventure says like, okay, you should use this suit during this book and this suit during that book. And I'm like, no. <laughs> no, I,
2: I watched Griff shuffle the deck like eight times before pulling cards. This was 100% random. This was fate.
5: Yeah, and I love that. I, um... I honestly think Mir almost clings on to a couple specific ones. Like, you know how uh, people who want to believe something, you'll cling to like the mm. parts that you I know want? which one
1: you're clinging to.
5: Yeah, the first one. Mm-hmm. The first one. <laughs> the <fool. laughs> oh, yeah. Mir is 100% clinging to that one. Uh, a mistake that has been made in the past will cease to hurt you as you move on from it. Maybe someone you wronged or felt wronged by you will forgive you. May take time, but they can be undone. Plus, this- he
2: took the ancestral feet to uh, look like an idiot, which is the <laughs> card is the idiot, fair. dubious idiot, fair, <laughs> dubious
4: dingus. Dummy. Yeah.
5: But this, I mean, to to mirror this, she's looking at this as, as hope. Um, not just that Devargo is going to forgive her; like that's not the like, concern as much as like mistakes can be undone. Like that's like you know of of this entire reading of this like past good segment, she has mistakes can be undone. Like that's like echoing in her head a little. And I think she would actually say something to everyone. I think this reading has a lot for us to work through. Overall, it sounds like we need to not lose hope for whatever comes. And we're not helpless, so we can't lose the hope. We can actually work towards some some stuff and that helps for the future even though we've got multiple misaligned cards. But we've got more power than we think, maybe, if we work towards it. And it's good to see that not all hope is lost, even what we've experienced in the past. There's a lot to work on, both present and future. But it's it's good to hear that we can fix mistakes from the past as well. If today has taught us anything, it is that
3: together we can... We can accomplish impossible tasks. There is much that we face in the future. But if we work together and use the resources that we have, we can be successful and we can do this. We can help the city.
5: I agree. Everything on here screams that we can overcome any sort of uh, injustice. But it does sound that we're going to have to work together and also keep our wits about us. That... Uh, hidden truth card really concerns me where it says everything that we're facing is stronger than we believe. We're going to have to be uh, closer than ever if we come up against anything because if, there's, if it's stronger than we believe and we have already encountered some difficult times, this could be a very scary time.
4: There are grave tidings in our future and in our present yes, there, there are enemies that move for around us we may not know about that are stronger. We must grow in strength too so we can combat them
2: yeah yeah so someone close to us is a puppet for the gods i think uh it's not a stretch of the imagination to th- to wonder who that might be and the unicorn being misaligned and eridan's prophecy falling out of form um i don't know i'm 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 all mixed up about this one. I I, I don't have the optimism that some of you have. That's fine. Um, Some things that Zalara said last time came to pass and some things that she said did not. I don't know. I'm not one for... uh, Prophecies all buggered these days anyway. Average in stone. So um, I don't don't put much... um, I don't put much faith in the words of card readers and... And... uh, carnival people. I don't know. I, it, it's just, I've got a lot to think about.
5: I wouldn't quite call this a carnival person. She's quite literally a spirit and...
2: You see a ghostly middle figure. <laughs>
5: like, this feels a little bit more than that.
2: Great. We've fought the dead before. I mean, they're around. I don't know. It's, it's maybe she sees the future in ways that we don't. Maybe she is a um, a charlatan of some sort who likes to tell us things that... We want to hear things that we don't want to hear. I don't know. I, I, I you, you all can take whatever you like from these cards. I, I will do the same.
3: These cards can be a tool as we approach our future and reflect on our past. These things are not set in stone. We still have our own free will, but they can help us as we navigate this difficult time. There is much chaos and a brief glimpse of... Perspective
5: is crucial.
2: Here, here. We'll say. We'll say.
1: So, with that, are you heading your separate ways?
5: I mean, Mira's got her list of stuff. I, I mean, I don't know. There's nothing currently that actually says we have to be together, right? Like,
4: yeah, Diego's got a few things he, he wants to do too.
5: With this reading, should we take it on our own and then? I know I've got stuff in my own life that I want to do. I'd say unless something major happens, we go on with it and maybe meet for coffee or lunch or something at some point. But otherwise, uh, I'm not sure um, outside of being friends, what else we're working on together.
2: Tell you what, how about um, it's going to take me a few days to um, hear from our friend Ben Carlo. And escort this young lady out of town and get myself back here. How about in, let's call it, what, three days time? We all meet back up here. Mia, hopefully that gives you enough time to pick up some clients, pay rent. Sylvie, perhaps you can start attending classes again. And I'm sure there's plenty you can do. Diego as a fully esteemed member of the Seanquan tribe. Um... And then we can, I don't know, figure out what's happening next. Aye, let's set up a stand
4: up in a few days, talk about our deliverables and what blockers we might
1: have. Negative hero (laughs) point. Go back.
2: We don't talk work and play. Get out of here. All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and sidebar with fake Trinia. (laughs) Yes,
4: take that offline.
2: I'm going to parking lot the Rolf Lam thing for a while.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think jokes aside, that is kind of the big question mark. You didn't run into Rolf Lam in his lair. He's still at large, and you have no leads on him at this point.
5: Do we even have, like, common victims? Like, literally anything?
1: Not that you have researched currently. I mean, if you want to, if you wanted to spend time like looking into the Keylock Killer case, you could probably open it back up with with Cressida.
5: Yeah, I guess um, going through Mir's head, right, like right or wrong, we dealt with what we were contracted to do. Mm-hmm. She now has more concerns that are bigger. She has uh, her her bigger concerns are her list as well as. If anything would get her to look into Ralph Lamb, it's it's this a, this potential for this plague or disease that um, would go into it. So that's where, after three days like of doing her list of stuff, which we'll get into, if if nothing else, like if nobody else has anything, you know, mind blowing, she would ask if anybody would be interested in researching that. But right now, we we don't have much to go on. So,
1: well, then I I will say you do. Go your separate ways. Um, I assume to your separate homes. So Diego, you would likely go back to Trails End, although it's you know it's much more empty than it was before, with uh, most of the Shawanti having left. Sylvie, you'd you'd head back to to your family's small manor, and Vec, you'd head to your apartment to see your grandfather. Mir, your you know you're already home. <laughs> Vec, when you arrive your grandfather is up and active Uh, he's walking around the apartment unassisted which is unusual Hmm. Uh, usually he uses a kind of carved cane that he that he kind of you know hobbles around with and he seems to be moving like freely he, he doesn't seem to be struggling without the cane and As you listen, he's muttering to himself. He's not speaking common. You see a note on your table and a silver necklace.
2: Hey, uh, grandpops, what's going on here?
1: He turns to you and smiles and you see in his eyes recognition of you. And what comes out is gibberish. Now this,
2: this is perplexing. But he like comes forward towards
1: you and, and shakes your hand with a strength that you have not felt in him.
2: Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I, um, I, 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 I apologize. I didn't know what you're saying.
1: He cocks his head at you and says something and just like furrows
2: his brow. You can tell he's asked you a question, but you can't understand. Nick puts up his hands to his shoulders and shrugs like the universal. I don't know what's going on here. Uh, He points at the stuff on the table, this this necklace here and the note. He's going to walk over to the note and see maybe what it says. The note is from an anonymous
1: sender. It doesn't have who it's from. Okay. But it does read, I am a visitor from Absalom Mm-mm. and have been drawn to this place. I worship the God of men. And this man was a delight to talk to. He spoke many times of a grandson, but he has. But he stopped speaking in the common tongue when I arrived. If you're reading this, you must be his grandson. I'm not sure what it is about your grandfather that drew me here. But I do know Islanti when I hear it. Okay. (laughs) If he has not continued speaking in common, and I am no longer here, use this item and see
2: if he remembers me. This is... Is that it? That's it. Okay. There's no no signature. The the blood is completely drained out of Vex's face. He is known as grandfather to only speak common and only talk about the same things and only relive the same days over and over again. This I, to hear him speaking a, a different tongue is completely crazy. And for this stuff to be here, he's going to immediately put this necklace on. No checking, no nothing. It's going on. You put the necklace on, and
1: you. Uh, you can understand your grandfather
2: muttering. Such a nice man, is it? Oh, I, I can I can hear you now. Can can you understand me? Oh, Vecchi,
1: what was all that? He was speaking uh, like a some kind of I don't know. It was all gibberish to me. No. He sounds more robust. I don't know if you hear it in my voice, but he almost.
2: It it almost reminds you of your dad. Oh, oh, interesting, grandfather. What's the last thing you remember? Well, Vecky, the
1: um, uh, the, I had a visitor while you were away. Uh, one of the one of the prophets of the last Atlante came. He did. Uh, he and I talked a lot about the old times. He's from Absalom. I I don't know if you've ever been Becky I don't know if your mom and dad ever got to take you I never had the pleasure I've been back and forth from Absalom quite a bit
2: a marvelous city beautiful raised from the sea itself and you can tell you never mentioned that to me before and um who, who uh, did did this visitor offer a name <laughs> he's got quite a few names Might you
1: remember one of them? Well, he doesn't share them freely, but I've known him for a time. I'm surprised he came and found me. One of Caden's lot, I suppose. A friend of him. You know, those that went to Absalom, playing a god. Although, I think he's probably closer to uh, the Inheritor,
2: in truth. This is all a bit much for me, um... We... Oh, we don't get visitors. You don't remember people. Mm. You don't... I remember.
1: He was my friend, Lim. He came to, came to see me.
2: Asked me how I've been. And how long has it been since you've seen him? Oh, Vicky, it's been... It's been an age before you were
1: born. For certain... Lim doesn't just show up. Not that often.
2: I just, I just don't, I, I don't know. He's here. What? Why? Why? Why was he here? Why did he leave this? Why are you speaking something that I can't understand? Why do I have to put on a necklace to understand that you're speaking Aslanti, a language that's been dead for thousands of years? I don't speak Aslanti, neither do you.
1: Well, Vecchi, maybe I just forgot. You ever think of that? You don't forget a language. You forget a lot of things over time. Listen, Lim was here. He said hello. At least it wasn't wasn't Volschnik visiting again. It's nice to
2: see someone new. You, you don't, you don't, you don't remember new people. You, it just doesn't work with you. What? This doesn't make any sense. There was a woman living here for weeks. What was her name? I've come back here with friends. What was their names? What, what do you wh- mean a woman was here, Becky? You scoundrel. It's not the point! The f- Dad's dead. Your son's dead. The family business is nothing. We're living in a tenement. We've been living here for God knows how long. And you speak in a language, and I can't... I don't know if tomorrow you're going to remember this conversation. You shouldn't. I don't know. And now I'm saying things that are not, not going to make any sense, and you're going to forget them soon. Yeah, Vic, this is, this
1: is strange to you. You detect magic all over your grandfather. It, like, hurts your eyes. Like, all... Like... In two, yeah. you would detect it all
2: over the place, but like, it hurts your eyes. It, yeah. And it, like, it may, maybe he takes a second to, to do that, detect magic, and he recoils a little bit. What did this man do to you? Your friend when he came to visit your friend from so long ago, your friend from Absalom? Uh, Vecchi, I think he just popped in to say hello
1: to ask where I've been all these years uh, it was just a friendly conversation Vecchi there's no reason to no reason to be upset I can't help it uh, Vec you notice something as you're having this conversation you probably like sit down to you know process this now that you speak as Lanti you see that what you thought were decorative carvings on your grandfather's cane Mm-hmm
2: are actually words okay S- and, and he's not using this can anymore right you mentioned that it's it maybe yeah, sitting he's, up against a table yeah. or mm-hmm. a chair or something um, I would definitely like to take a look at that sure you take a look uh, you, you begin to read these
1: It it's like spiraling down the staff these sayings it's like aphorisms make me a religion check alright
2: Okay. Whoo, baby. Okay, uh twenty-six total, eighteen on the die. Maybe ironically, um,
1: these sentences mm-hmm. are from what are known as the tome of memory. Mm-hmm. And it is a holy book of Eridim. It contains supposedly things that Eridim himself said, and these are those such things going down the staff? Do you do anything with the staff?
2: I don't know if those words have any significance or they're just like general aphorisms. Was that religion check enough to identify an item by its magical tradition? Yeah. If this is even a magical item.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, you you um, you take hold of the staff as your or the um, of what you now know is a staff, not a cane. And as you do, the bald head of it opens into an eye. Uh, And this is a significantly magical item. It It is known as a Staff of Providence.
2: Providence?
1: Yeah. A large stylized symbol of an eye adorns the top of this wooden staff, representing the watchful eye of the divine powers. The bearer of the staff can guide and protect, seeing bounties and tragedies that could befall them in the future. When wielding the staff, you gain a plus one item bonus on survival checks to sense direction or subsist, and to religion checks to recall knowledge. Uh, the staff has within it the spells Guidance, Light, Bless, Create Water, Augury, Create Food, See Invisibility, and Status. Whoa! And it works with the standard staff rules. So um, at the start of the day, you can invest in the staff and you as a person that can cast second level spells would put two points in the staff. Then you can decide to use any spell from the staff. A spell costs the amount of points that are the level of the spell. So if you wanted to cast one of the second-level spells from the staff, it it would burn the staff for the day. Mm -hmm. However, as a spontaneous caster, you could instead choose to burn one point from the staff and a spell slot of appropriate level and cast a spell from the staff. Um, So you could cast a second-level spell for one point, burning a second-level spell of your own. So if you wanted to cast Sea Invisibility without burning the whole staff, you could do that. So it gives you a little bit of flexibility as a spontaneous caster to cast the spells that are in the staff using your own spell slots if you want to. Regardless of how you cast the spell, it works off of your own spell casting modifiers. So your own DC, your own spell
2: attack modifier, if that was applicable in the case of this staff. I like that a lot. How, how about that necklace? Is that is that a special item? It is a choker of elocution. Okay. It's also a magical item for staff in the campaign
1: so a choker of elocution bears characters from a language's alphabet and gives knowledge of that language and the associated culture's customs you gain a plus one item bonus to society checks and the ability to understand speak and write the chosen language in this case Aslanti. your excellent elocution reduces the dc of flat checks to perform an auditory action when deafened from five to three um and you you know so you you know as now is, the, is a big benefit, but you also get a bonus to society checks. And if you're deafened again, like you were that one time, that flat check goes to three instead of five.
2: Nice. Wow. That rocks. All of those things considered. Yeah. Vex sitting down, he has the staff in his hands and he looks up to his grandfather after maybe um, some time has gone by, you know, a few seconds, but a few seconds that feel like a few minutes. You You all know that kind of time. And he, he says, sorry that I, um, that I snapped at you. I shouldn't. Um, I'm not a perfect person. You probably know that or should know that. (sighs) This is all quite a lot. You know, I I, I care so much about you. I'm sorry. That's it. Sorry. It's all right, Becky. I, well, I, I don't quite
1: understand. I, and I apologize for that as well. I've been feeling so good since Lim came to visit. But you're right, I don't r- remember the people you're talking about or or the other things you're saying. I I don't remember that your dad's dead
2: or your mom's dead. I guess I just remember better times. I wish I could forget it too. Um, but I can't. I can't forget. And... I miss them every day this is um we we live in tough times we've been living in tough times for quite a quite a long time I'm sorry um I I shouldn't have said those things I think he just
1: kind of like joins you on the couch or whatever you guys have that serves as a couch uh, where you were sitting examining the staff he just kind of like puts an arm on your shoulder again he he feels like you know stronger than than you remember And this just like, it's almost like a migraine you have, like you're not even actively detecting magic, but you just like, you feel it coming off of him. This just like these waves of magical energy. Um, And, and I think that, you know, you maybe, you maybe continue to talk as he is like far more lucid than he ever has been Mm -hmm. with you into the evening. And when morning comes, the magic is gone.
2: And Vex like even even sadder the next morning, right? Because mm-hmm. like we, he had a, a a glimpse of what could be, right? Where he was able to have some sort of conversation with his grandfather that that seemed to mean something and um, seems to be a little bit more productive. And and then again, that's gone. Mm-hmm. So tough morning. Yeah, tough morning for him.
1: Vec, you know, morning does come for you, and uh, you do receive a note at the door uh, that asks you to. Come to, Vencarlo's Carlo's Academy, um, and so that might be at least a bright spot in your morning, as you figure out what you're going to do with the next couple of days. So let's uh, let's move over to uh, Sylvie because I think this is going to be a little bit more straightforward in what you're doing for the next couple of days. I assume bright and early you head to the academy, mm-hmm. and um, and you begin your training with Vencarlo Carlo training not in swordsmanship but in Um, (laughs) vigilanteism and you know he's as adept of a teacher as he was being a swordsman as he is for being a vigilante he's clearly very experienced he teaches you how to like you know fade into the shadows and how to like when to run that kind of thing um because much like batman you're not a superhero mm-hmm. in terms of being superhuman. You're a regular person with uh, extraordinary fighting ability, maybe, but um, but you're <laughs> you're still you know able to be killed. You're not Superman. So he he teaches you these things over the course of the day, over the course of the next several days. You know, as long as you have free time, he is kind of training you. Is there anything in particular that you know you think Sylvie would like gravitate towards in the in the course of that training?
3: Sylvie, uh, prior to when she was taking courses before this time, she is really focused. She is trying to absorb all of the information that he's giving her over the course of several days after getting that harrow reading. The Gravity of what she accepted is starting to really hit her once the excitement has kind of worn away and she realizes how much there is to learn and how much influence she will have uh, eventually uh, gaining this position. So she will do her best to focus on every part of the training but I think one of the areas she would uh, really kind of hone in on is how to kind of stay in the shadows and be unobserved.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's the, he's the perfect teacher for that. He, you know, you, you, you notice that the the blackjack uniform is like all black and has some magical enhancements as well to, uh, to blend into the shadows. So he would, Kind of teach you how to use those things uh, to your benefit. Use the environment to your benefit. Use magic to your benefit. I think you would—he might be like surprised that you have magical aptitude. Um, where he certainly, you know, is is less magical than you, uh, relying on items and gear. You have uh, spellcasting in a, in a way, and uh, and the help of Sazzy. So um, you kind of excel at, at that stuff. Um, and you make progress quickly, and I, I would say, like at this point in your kind of journey, you've learned enough to at any time dip into or retrain to the vigilante dedication.
3: Ooh, okay. So,
1: um, Ooh. so if if you wanted to take that dedication in the future, or if you wanted, if you ever wanted to replace a feat with that dedication, you could certainly do so. But I think I think that's what you kind of spend your time doing unless there's unless there's something else that you wanted to explore
3: no this is sylvie's number one priority right now uh she is really focused on living up to this honor and trying to learn as much as she can for you know the future comes and we have to face uh all these these things that we have looming over us
1: okay tega what did you want to do during some
4: of this time yeah, so there's a couple of things. I know most of his tribe has, has left. Mm-hmm. He is no longer that kind of where he expects them to be. Are any
1: members or just? There are certainly some uh, Shawanti still around. Thousand Bones led the majority of the Skoanqua out of the city uh, to to again kind of attempt to bring everyone together and and quell the tensions that were that were going to happen in the wake of Gakin's death. So I'd, I'd say, like, there's maybe only a handful of Qua that's stuck around, but there are far more of the other tribes uh, still around. And uh, you do find that in a place like Trails End, the differentiation between your tribes is is a lot less delineated than it would feel if you were maybe in, like, the Cinderlands or something. Um you kind of identify as one Shuanti people, the closer you are to Corvosa, because you all face kind of the same. You know, the, the the group as a whole kind of faces the same prejudices and that kind of problems in in the city. Okay, I think I think there are a couple of things on his mind at this point.
4: One is. Uh, in our expedition and exploration of the dead warrens there were a couple books we left behind Mm -hmm. things on golem crafting and diseases and plagues he would be interested in in grabbing a couple representatives from each tribe and leading them back into the dead warrens to collect those books and also go over kind of what they had seen the party had uh in that area so that they kind of understood what the situation was and uh potentially if we need Additional tribal folks going forward to help us, uh, if if Rolf lamb or any places in crops up again, them
1: having some background could be good for that. Sure, yeah, I'd say the maybe ten members of the Skowenqua that are with you take particular interest to this. The members of your own tribe are, as Diego would know, very very um, dedicated to making sure that the dead rest. And so, this is a, um, you know, this is a front to everything your tribe believes in. So, they would take this information and kind of study it as a, you know, learning thy enemy type thing. Because uh, a necromancer of this kind of power is something that, like, it's kind of like if you were like a, you know, dedicated Pharazma being a, a member of this Goan Quad. And in fact, they oftentimes do worship Pharazma. Yeah. So, that's his
4: kind of first priority on his list. The second is reestablishing negotiations and just general uh, talks with the Corvosan leadership or whoever thousand bones was talking before he kind of assumed this role. And leading up to that, he would again reach out to all the other tribes and ask them if they want to send representatives to, to go with him to, to
1: reestablish that talk just to get other people in the fold. Mm-hmm. too. I think, um, Tukpar would be the first to to volunteer. I think what you were to uh, Thousand Bones, he would want to be for you, not only like backup muscle, but also like council. So he would he would certainly agree to go. I think you do have members from um, from several other tribes that would be interested in joining you, and you have an in with Cressida, so. I think you could honestly like meet with Cressida and figure out the logistics of that because she and Thousand Bones clearly had like some sort of relationship and she is the field marshal. So, so what you would learn in that conversation, you bring these people together and you have a productive conversation with Cressida in terms of, you know, the guards alignment with, um, with protecting, you know, the Shiwanti as well as, Um, as well as her kind of like recommending some more like less guard oriented and more like you know social program like city planning style people to reach out to but she would take you aside Diego Diego do you mind if we have a private conversation about what happened in the town square the other day I think that would be productive too yes Um, she, um, she brings you into her office no You can certainly share all this information with the rest of the group. I've received advance word that Queen Iliosa intends to restructure several elements of the city's military organizations. Rumor has it she's disbanded some or even all of the existing groups in favor of new organizations. And I'm becoming, you know, with, with events running the way they have, I'm becoming increasingly afraid of... Her inexperience as a ruler resulted in some poor, or even disastrous decisions. I I can't exactly speak out. I'm I'm honestly a bit worried about my own position. I'm trying to hang on to it. I feel I owe it to the people of Corvosa and also my fellow Cor- Corvosan guards to try and maintain at least some level of uh, authority, so that so that I can. S- sway decision making. Um, I haven't heard much word about you and your friends being overly noticed among the guard or among uh, Ilios's new group. But she's putting together her own personal guard. She's calling them the Gray Maidens. And I'm afraid um, with that and what might be happening with my position, I can't. I I can't consider you and uh and your friends official agents of the corvos and guard any longer the badges that you had likely won't mean anything um but i do promise to help you as much as i can i foresee a time in the near future where the power of the corvos and guard won't be enough to protect those that serve the city um and i can sense the people's motivations the people's Changing in sentiments, um, I, I don't think this authoritarian rule will be accepted much by the average citizen uh, for much longer. Uh, but what I what I would ask is that um, you you continue to give me you know where I might be able to reach you, where I can get your information. Although you're not you're no longer official members of the or officially assisting the Corvos and Guard. Um, I have some under-the-table things that I think uh, your assistance off the books would be very helpful with. What I'm really hoping is that you and your friends don't lose faith that you continue to fight for the city as you've done under my watch. And I'll continue to be your ally and your greatest supporter as much as I can. Uh, Just know that I don't hold the same sway that I did before these Grey Maidens were put into power. Let's hope it doesn't worsen. If there's one thing
4: I know, it's that you will serve the city better in your position than out of it. We'll keep you updated on where we are and what we're doing, and if you need anything, just reach out to us.
1: I assume you're still living at Trails End, then? Aye. And I can reach all of you at the Badrin Blade, correct? You can. Perfect. She would shake your hand, um, and... My paw. Yeah, yeah, your paw, and she'd kind of... She'd smile up at you. And I'm also... Quite glad to see that you're heading up Chawante negotiations with the city. It's really good to see Nine Lives back on the streets again. Well, I wouldn't know what it was like beforehand, but I'm happy to be where I am, too. I hope good things can come of it. And I think that's kind of how Diego spends the the next couple of days. Um, Mir, what are you doing in this time?
5: My list is long.
1: Well, let's let's kind of tick through it then.
5: Yeah. So, uh, uh, number one, I I think there's something that needs to be addressed that hasn't been, which is we went and saw that um, artist that does the really creepy artwork and he had an actively like almost dying person that was apparently very important. Salvador that Mir Spring. didn't know, right? Yeah. So Salvador Scream. Um, Mir didn't know, but tried to help. Mm-hmm. I have no idea if that person's still alive or dead. It might not be a bad call just to be like, hey, do you need any more healing supplies? I'm a little bit better and like I could maybe help out. Are, are you good? And that might be a quick stop that could be longer. So that's item maybe one, because that, that feels like maybe potentially one of the more urgents. Item two, she just want to drop like a quick letter off with Devargo's men telling him like, hey, I'm still willing to help if any of your people need it. Mm-hmm. Three, see my mom. Four, check in with the Darklight Sisterhood.
1: Okay. So you go to Salvatore Scream's
5: house. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: There is no front door.
5: Oh. Where did it go? Uh,
1: as you approach, it has clearly been ransacked. This oh. This building. Um, you don't find Scream.
5: Find nothing? You don't
1: find the man that was in the bed. Uh, I was, I was find being signs. like a
2: sarcastic asshole when I said that. Yeah. I just assumed there was no front door and I was being a jabroni, but you're like the front door is gone or broken or yeah like off. torn off its hinges hell
1: tossed tossed probably um looks like there are signs of struggle here
5: is there any evidence at all that like mirror could grab and then look into in the future or or potentially even bring to like sylvie with her societal knowledge
1: there's blood lots of it
5: grab the blood i don't i don't think i can do anything with blood i don't have like lore of blood.
1: Yeah, there's blood on the bed. (laughs) The man was um, you see like two of Scream's paintings are just ruined by a long streak splatter of blood. Um, No hint of either of them. Uh, You can make a survival check.
5: Yeah, I I will. Got a nine on the die for 19.
1: Uh, You might have been expecting boot prints like heavy greaves. You find none. Uh, which leads you to believe that the Hell Knights didn't...
5: It wasn't the Hell Knights.
1: Ooh. Yeah. You don't think it, it would have been the Hell Knights?
5: Well, I guess if, there, if there's anything at all that looks like I could salvage it, that might mean something, I guess, to someone. I don't know. I would try and take that as well as uh, write a note on a parchment like, uh, ch- and put that somewhere maybe obvious if you are the owner but not obvious for someone who walks into a ransacked area and just say came to check in on you see that you're gone and something bad happened come see me and then uh like i think just write like the badger and blade or if uh i don't know i think i've i mean i I know i've got like a little symbol of the place like maybe leave like my business's uh
4: the logo logo yeah Wait, you want to leave evidence tying your shop back to a crime scene?
5: Uh that's why I specifically wrote in the note. Saw your house was ransacked. <laughs> Come see me if you need help.
1: Okay, okay. Uh make a perception check.
5: 25.
1: As you look across the paintings, you notice something. <laughs> um you saw the the kind of splash of blood. Mm-hmm. And looking closer, you notice that there is paint that actually goes over the blood, which means it must be fresher. A particular color, cerulean. What's that mean? Make a lore underworld check. I
5: have a pretty good lore underworld. 17.
1: You think about it for a while, and the only connection you can draw is that the Thieves Guild in Corvosa is known as the Cerulean Society. Oh, seems weird that they would leave a calling card like that.
5: Yeah. So now I've got another thing on my list. Dang
4: it. Only someone with Underworld lore would notice that.
1: Only someone with underwear lore would know.
5: Alright, well...
1: So, next thing you're doing is leaving a note. You do so.
5: Quick and easy. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, I also want to check in with my mom, because last time she wasn't at her house, and she was staying with, like, the people Mm -hmm. she works for, so...
1: Yep. Uh, so you go to her house, and, um... And you knock on the door Mm -hmm. and you are greeted by a six foot four uh, full orc woman Mm
0: -hmm. uh,
1: with kind of similar braided hair to Mir.
5: And I hug my mom.
1: (laughs) Oh, dear, it's been some time. How are you, sweetheart?
5: I'm doing fine, Mom. But there's... There's a lot of stuff going on. Well, come in. Come in. Talk
1: to your old mom for a bit.
5: And I think Mir gives her mom, like, the rundown of everything. Like, uh, Mir doesn't really keep a lot of secrets. She normally visits her mom on a regular basis. But because of the un- civil unrest that's happening, I think she s- sits down and she gives her mom, like, a rundown. And then, but also leaves out the most dangerous parts so her mom doesn't worry. <laughs> like most children do and then she's going to tell her mom in general I want you to look out I'm, I'm a little worried I've done a lot of actions that are outside of my normal bounds I mean I've always been a little bit on the edge helping those around me uh heal but this has been a lot more and I've been a bit more visible I've been trying to keep myself hidden but I want you to be cautious not
1: most- Do you think you're putting me at danger then
5: I'd be worried about it. Uh, most people don't assume that a half-orc's mom would be still in the, in the town and a full orc. They might be looking for a human woman, but the last thing I'd want is to put you in danger.
1: <laughs> well, maybe one of the few times that people's prejudices work in our favor, hey?
5: I'd agree. <laughs> I'll say Vex grandpa didn't, uh, ha- had a run-in as well, but that was a slightly different issue, so I'm hoping you can kind of stay out of it, because... We're at least separate enough, and people are rather prejudiced against us, so.
1: Well, I'm sure young Figo keep ta- keep taking care of you. He seems quite bigger. I'm surprised he's grown so large.
5: I've had to add an extra plant into the house just so that I can keep up with the worm intake. <laughs> it's never ending.
1: Is she, like, she... Kind of puts her hands on her knees, crouches down. I mean, she's still just a really large woman, but she like she crouches down to Fig- Figgy. Now, Fig, you'll be taking care of my daughter, won't you? <laughs> I knew I could count on you. Uh, she she kind of ruffles his fur. Uh, Mir, you don't have to be worrying about me too much. I've got um, well, we've, the the Corwins, they've got. So much work for me to do. I'll be over in their um, in their manor house. Uh, you, you know, they're down in in um, South Shore. They they're having a some kind of party, some noble party. So I'll be, you know, swamped. I'll probably have to stay the night, several nights over there anyway. So. You know, with so many people there, I, I doubt anyone's going to be coming after me. Uh, but I will—I will be wary when I'm when I'm coming home and I'm by myself. Um, I don't suppose you have your old uh, your old pals over on your side of the island uh, looking out for folks. You know, those that lot on Eel's End don't quite approve of the the things they are getting up to. But it is nice to have some some burly men walking around town, uh, keeping an eye on people.
5: I think they might still be taking uh, their time and and keeping an eye on people. But I made a mistake, mom, and I don't I'm not uh, talking to him as much. I've been trying to reach out and tell him I'm still there, but I made a big mistake. What'd you do? I tried to help a little girl and I ended up hurting her a lot more. Is
1: that something you can undo?
5: I'm going to try to undo it.
1: You know, you were a pretty resilient child, if I remember correctly. You bounce back from quite a bit. No, give me a moment, Mir. Just... And she kind of, she heads upstairs um, and you hear like her ruffling through some stuff and she comes down and like her big, you know, she is just this broad woman. Her arms are completely full wrapped around with like all of these old toys that you remember that you used to have. And she kind of like plops them down on top of like a, on top of like a almost like a bedroll and, like, wraps them up. Well, you, you don't have any use for these, as far as I know. Uh, you might be able to make good with uh, that little girl with all of these old toys you used to love.
5: I think she'll love them. Thank you, Mom. I didn't even think about this.
1: That's why your mother always knows best. <laughs> best be visited more often to get this sage wisdom and she, she kind of like taps her own, uh, taps her own head and, uh, and smirks at you.
5: I will have to visit more often for sure. Before I forget, mom, what, what kind of party is your, uh, is that family having? That sounds big if it's multiple days.
1: Oh, no, it's just multiple days of, you know, us, us, uh, workers setting up and tearing down. And, you know, we gotta do extra cleaning to make sure it's clean for people to get there, and then we got to do extra cleaning afterwards, and you know, it's it's a whole big thing. But it's just a it's just an evening affair. I think they're having some of the uh, some some other uh, noble families uh, doing some kind of dinner party or something. There's supposed to be live music and, and that kind of thing. I'm rather excited. I've got to you know, I've got to be there. But um, considering I do cleaning I don't have to serve anything, so kind of have the evening to enjoy myself as well so it should be a good time i'm i'm excited you know uh lord and lady corwin they um during the unrest they they really didn't get out much and you know i think i think they get lonely so it'll be good for them to have some some of their friends back uh back in the house um now that things have died down a bit
5: that sounds lovely uh i know it's gonna be a lot of work but i hope you enjoy yourself
1: I'm sure I will, dear. If you come visit, I'll tell you all about it after it's over.
5: I will. Um, and now that Amir would probably just sit and visit with her mom, right, for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now that she has the toys, um, item four, which is checking when the Darklight Sisterhood just moved below, drop off toys <laughs> for tomorrow.
1: Sure. Uh, <laughs> you, yeah, you could you could drop off the toys.
5: Yeah. Um,
1: I assume you kind of do so as like a you know I'm not staying.
5: Right. It's a, like, another peace offering. She's just going to keep doing peace offerings. Uh-huh. And then she will check in Light's is right.
1: Jeez, you had a long list.
5: I'm sorry. I don't know what else to do. Some
1: unresolved business, huh? Yeah. Um, you head to the uh, Three Rings Tavern, and uh, Theandra Darklight is there, and she sees you. Takpar is not there. He has been, um, you know, working with Diego, so uh, he's not. Bouncing currently, uh, but it seems everything is is going fine. Um, and she has very few clientele. She has like one regular there, and she like whispers to them and asks them to just hold tight while she goes to the back room with you. She gestures uh, you forward, and as you pass, you do notice uh, you recognize the regular. It is the um, the member of the guard that. Um, that you had kind of like, you know, help maybe sober up and and like you know get over some of the some of the you know trauma that he was dealing with with you know all of the all of the deserting and all of the um, riots and that kind of thing. Um, and he looks he looks a lot like he's in a lot better shape. He's like much more clean shaven. You know, he's not drunk. He's just enjoying like a a beer and he kind of waves at you and you head into the back room. Well, uh, Mir, I, um, I noticed that, um, well, you might be a good candidate to join our sisterhood. Have you heard of the Darklight Sisterhood?
5: Not really. The only thing I know about it is what Sylvie, uh, mentioned to me.
1: We are a, um, a group of sisters that, um, but we are mainly adventurers and, um, we adventure for um, in the name of uh Chelyax, but um we are a bit more of an esoteric order it is a um, a group of powerful and well connected women and we always are on the lookout for uh, promising young women that um that show great skill and connection to the cities in which they live um now I, uh, after meeting your group and uh, after hearing uh, from Takpar, I visited him as he was, as he was recuperating with the, the Shuanti in Trail's End. Um, but after hearing about uh, the things that you do, I was curious if you would be interested in joining such an organization. We, uh, we seek to, uh, well, We find artifacts and we um, we seek out treasure. I I will say we are not a um, we're not necessarily a benevolent organization. I did sense your moral flexibility, however. Uh, We do try to do no harm in the areas in which we operate, but we do seek to um, benefit the sisterhood and. and our higher-ups in Cheliax as well, what the sisterhood would open for you is a, um, well, it would make you very well connected. Uh, We sisters look out for each other. Uh, There are several of us in Corvosa, me included, and, um, and more in Cheliax, but we each specialize in certain, um, how you say, uh, fields. And what we were looking for uh, for the sisters in in uh, Corvosa is someone that is um, subtle, someone that is able to blend in and uh, sneak into places. Um, I myself am an esteemed uh, mage. We have um, an alchemist in the city as well as a, a lady of the cloth and. One of our sisters has already infiltrated uh, the new organization cropping up in Corvos. I don't know if you've heard of it. The Grey Maidens. Mm, yes, we do have an inn.
5: Oh, that's interesting. Wow. Well, I'll say I'm, I'm interested in joining, but I also don't know what the fine print is. Like, am I going to be stuck? Or is it something I can leave?
1: Well, um, you would have to take the last name Darklight All sisters are um, married to the sisterhood. Uh, That doesn't keep you from marrying on your own. It's just whatever you do, you cannot change your name from Darklight. That marries you to our cause and makes you a sister for life. Uh, There is a trial period, if you're interested in that. I wouldn't ask you to make such a commitment right away. But, well, there is one feat that um, the sisters have struggled with uh, for many years. And uh, my informants are telling me that uh, the time is maybe right to set a wrong right. You see, um, two of our sisters, uh, many years ago, were killed by a serial killer in this city uh, known as... The Keylock Killer.
5: and I well, i know of him.
1: Well, when you came to me with information regarding my dear Takpar, that he had been injured by a similar murderer, or a similar um, weapon, uh, I apologize, I was not able to come assist you, for I was doing research into the Keylock Killer himself. We've gained some information. Uh, but I would need your cooperation if you'd like to learn it. Do you accept being, at least, on a trial basis?
5: I'll definitely accept this trial basis. At a minimum, what we want right now is the same.
1: Well, if you serve Rolf lamb's head to us on a platter, then consider your trial over. You'll be inducted as a full member. What we have learned is that um, he is working with the cult of Urgothoa in town, um, developing something. A plague. Likely, or a means to turn the living to dead. But he's been working with them for some time now, about at least a week. Back when I learned this information, um, we'd already known that he wouldn't um, wouldn't show himself in his normal lairs. Um, there's got to be a church of Ergothoa somewhere, hidden. Somewhere in town. If you can find that, you'll likely find Rolf Lamb. If you find Rolf Lamb, you can figure out what he's working on. I don't care much what he's working on, though. I just care that he's brought to justice.
5: All right. I'll take this on as the trial. I'll look for this Church of Ergothoa. There's no, uh, issues with me using my friends for this, right?
1: No, as long as you see it done.
5: Okay. We'll work on it.
1: All right. Um, she bids you farewell out of the back room, and um, before you're able to leave, Growl Soldado, the man at the bar, mm-hmm. uh, turns to you. And remember, this is you know, this is maybe all of, all of this stuff you're doing is taking days. So this is right. Um, maybe even potentially like around the time you would be like then meeting back with the group. Yeah. But Growl kind of grabs your arm as you pass. Now, if I remember correctly, you were some kind of healer, right? I. Listen, my my niece is sick. I don't know what she has, and neither does anyone in Trails End. She's broken out all over in red pox and can barely keep down food, or even the swill that good-for-nothing herbalist gave her. Uh, her mother's talking about going to the bank of Abadar, but she can't afford to pay the price their clerics would demand um, and then I remembered how uh, you and your friends handled yourselves during the riots and and how you, you helped me and I figured you could maybe help a bunch of resourceful folks like, like you and your other friends I, I bet uh, I bet you don't already have a way to fix this uh, you, you probably know who can so um, you know I don't expect you're the type that would sit by while a child suffers. Um, I know your friend Diego lives out by Trails End. He knows. He knows my sister-in-law Tays. He's met my niece Brienne. Uh, please, I, I implore you to, uh, you to help. I mean, we can't. We can't afford a, an outright healer. But I do what I can on the guard. I, I do what I can. There's
5: to, no need to keep convincing me. I'm. I'm going to help. In fact i'm going to meet with my friends here in just a bit and we'll talk through this i'm sure we'll be willing to help
1: Um, miss mia i appreciate that tremendously i um your friend diego should know where to go if you're meeting with him uh he's had he's had breakfast at my sister-in-law's house several times um and and, you know i i'll head i'll head there directly i'll I'll meet you there Uh, but but I, I sure do. I sure do appreciate it. Um, you know, her, her mom's just, she's she's a mess right now. With <laughs> single mom, three kids, one of them sicker than the dickens. It's It ain't great. But she'll just be overjoyed that you're willing to help.
5: Absolutely. I wouldn't let someone suffer.
1: And with that, I think we'll continue the curse campaign next time.
5: All right.
2: Ooh. Oh boy, here we go.
0: The Bestow Curse podcast is a Hideous Laughter Productions show. Hideous Laughter Productions is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Curse of the Crimson Throne is copyright 2016. Curse of the Crimson Throne and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. Paizo, Pathfinder, their respective logos, and all Paizo titles, characters, and artwork are properties of Paizo Incorporated and used with permission.